0: You are listening to a sermon by Ted Hamilton, Senior Pastor of New Life Presbyterian Church in Escondido, California. For more information about New Life, visit us online at newlifepca.com. That's N-E-W-L-I-F-E-P-C-A dot com. Okay, the bulletin uh, says in our, uh, that our text today is Acts chapter 13, uh, verses 14b to 52, but I'm going to shorten that just a little bit today because I want to focus uh, really on on the sermon uh, that Paul delivers and is recorded here. This is the first recorded sermon of Paul. It's not his first sermon. It's the first recorded sermon. It's the first time we read what Paul uh, uh, preached. Uh, this is in... Um, on his first missionary journey, okay, We've, uh, if you remember, if you were here, uh, they, they were up in Antioch, right in uh, in Syria, and uh, the believers there. There was a kind of a revival broke out there. They sent Barnabas. Barnabas got Paul. They collect, took a, uh, the believers there. Took a collection for the benefit of the people in Jerusalem and Judea because of the upcoming famine and they gave the money to Barnabas and Paul and said go to Jerusalem, deliver that they did uh, and now they returned to Antioch with John Mark the one who would later go on to uh, write the Gospel of Mark uh, and then the church in Antioch sent Bar- John- Barnabas and Paul and Mark uh, out on a missionary journey uh, they went to Cyprus uh, John Mark turned around went back uh, no details there. It will later become an issue. Uh, then they went to modern-day Turkey, uh, and they are now in another city called Antioch. There were a bunch of cities called Antioch uh, in the Roman Empire that we call this one Pisidian Antioch because it was in uh, Pisidia, uh, and that. And they're in the synagogue uh... in antioch okay that's where the action opens we're going to read 14b to 40 verse 43 it's a long reading uh... if you're able uh, and willing would you please stand for god's word it's if you don't have a bible it's in the bulletin for you where you can follow along this is uh... And with uplifted arm, he led them out of it. And for about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. And after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance. All this took about 450 years. And after that, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. Brothers, the sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of this salvation. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him, nor understand the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning him, For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses." Beware, therefore, lest what is said in the prophet should come about. Look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish, for I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe, even if one tells it to you. As they went out, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, Many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. This is God's Word. You may be seated. Before we unpack this, let's ask the Lord for His blessing. Blessing and His help. Almighty God, in You are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You have those. Open our eyes then so that we might see the wonders of Your Word and give us grace that we may clearly understand and freely choose the way of Your wisdom through Jesus Christ, our crucified and risen Lord and Savior. Amen. You find yourself majoring in the minors sometimes? You know, focusing on issues that, uh, and tasks that in the big picture uh, you know aren't all that important and you, you know in the back of your mind that you're neglecting uh, more important things. It is so easy to do that. At least it is for me. Um, I blame the tyranny of the urgent. I get swept up in that. Um, but you know, you, you can't accuse Paul of majoring in the minors here in this his first recorded uh, sermon. This sermon is intensely God-focused, isn't it? Uh, he, and, and God is the most major reality out there. The major reality that you ignore at your own peril. But who is, for so many, so easy to ignore, right? We just get caught up in life. And we don't think of Him. Pay attention to Him. So let's do that. Let's let's track with Paul through this sermon. uh, And ask and answer three questions. First question. What, is, what does this sermon tell you about God the Father? Right? Second, what does Paul's sermon tell you about God the Son? Jesus. And then third, uh, what did Paul say to you who are Christians about how you live the Christian life? How you go through your day-to-day life as a follower Uh, of Jesus okay. that's our outline those those three questions so first what does Paul's sermon tell you about God the Father and you know this is important because there is something in every human heart I mean every human heart that needs the love of a father of course we need the love of of a mom too um but there is, there is something about the love of a father that is uh, that's so important. We, we know we need it. Our hearts long for it. And some of you uh, are like me. You've been blessed with, with a great mom and dad. And for that I am so grateful. But I know, because I'm your pastor, that many of you uh, have come from dysfunctional homes, broken homes, usually it's the father who leaves, and in doing so left a a huge hole in your heart that's still there. Uh, Kelly Clarkson, you know Kelly Clarkson, the recording artist, uh, has touched millions of hearts with a song she wrote. A poignant song titled "Piece by Piece" that was uh, she she wrote, reflecting on her own life and reflecting on her father leaving her and her family when she was a young girl. I'll just uh, I won't sing it, but let me quote from let me quote from uh, the lyrics. Uh, She 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 writes she sings, and all I remember is your back. Walking towards the airport, leaving us all in your past. I traveled 1500 miles to see you, begged you to want me, but you didn't want to. She goes on, and all of your words now fall flat. I made something of myself and now you want to come back. But your love isn't free. It has to be earned. Back then, I didn't have anything you needed, so I was worthless. Powerful words, and I'm sure words that many of you uh, can resonate with. And if you do, really all of us need to hear Paul's message about God the Father. And Paul's message about God the Father is that God is the good Father that your heart longs for and the father you need. right? God chooses His children. He chooses you. In other words, He sets His love on you before you do anything. Verse 17. Unlike Kelly Clarkson's father who demanded that his love be earned, God sets His love on you before you do anything and even exist. Like a good father, God dedicates Himself to His people's care and well-being. Uh, you see that in Paul's recitation in verses 17 through 23 of of how God cared for His people Israel. God stays, unlike so many fathers who leave. God stays. The time from Abraham to Jesus was approximately 2,000 years. Time from Jesus to now, another approximately 2,000 years. And God is, is still here. God is staying. God is sticking with you. He's sticking with His children. And He sticks with us even when in, their shor- in, in our short-sighted uh, foolishness, Uh, We don't want them around. Paul draws that lesson from history in verse 18, when he when he says, "God put up with them in the wilderness for 40 years. They didn't want to be there." It reminds me of the scene in the movie Dan in Real Life. Steve Carell plays plays a single father. Uh, and, uh, they're on a family vacation and his young teenage daughter's boyfriend sneaks into the family vacation. And he catches, uh, he catches her making out with him and, uh, sends him home. And, um her daughter is not happy about that. And in, in a, in a, funny but poignant scene through tears the the daughter screams at her dad you are the murderer of love (laughs) remember that scene and a lot of you parents can resonate with that scene uh you know having raised teenagers uh but but he put up with it right he put up with it because why because he loved her and he was protecting her even though she didn't understand that at the time god's the same way god fulfills all of his promises you know some of you have fathers who who made promises and didn't keep them i read a story recently about uh, a, a girl uh, from a broken home who who used to sit, her dad would promise to come on the weekend, and she would look and and at the in the darkness at the at the headlights coming, hoping that each time that a car came approached, it was her father who had promised to come, and he never came. But God fulfills all of His promises, verse 23 and verse 32, in even better ways than we can imagine, right? Like God raising, uh, or God giving His Son as an atoning sacrifice for your sin. Uh, God raising uh, Jesus from the dead. And you know, like, Any good father, any good father will protect his children, do his best to protect his children from evil, but God does, does that one better. God uses the evil for good. Right? God powerfully uses evil to accomplish his good purposes. You see that in verse 27, where Paul says that when the religious rulers condemned Jesus, all they were actually doing was fulfilling God's prophetic plans for good. They didn't know that, but but he was using their bad decisions, their evil decisions, to fulfill his plans for good. Same in verse 29. When the religious rulers and the civil leaders uh, conspired to execute Jesus, what does Paul say? They were only, without their knowledge... Uh, fulfilling what the prophets had written hundreds of years before uh, uh, about the Messiah, and I hope you hear that as the huge encouragement that it is. That's a huge encouragement, right? That that uh, whatever evil may come into your life, and 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 we're, we're you know whether that's disease or or a relational breakdown or uh, you know a lost job, whatever it is. Um, not only is that not out of control of your father, Christian, but he will powerfully and mysteriously use it for his good purposes. Evil doesn't win at the end of the day. It helps the good to win. Our God is that big. He's that Powerful and he's that good. And finally you learn here that that God will fulfill his purposes uh, in your life. You will not die and go into the presence of the Lord a second before God's purposes are accomplished in your life. Paul says that about David and what's true of King David is true of you. Look at verse 36. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep, died, and was laid with his fathers. Hear this, friends, right? No matter where the Lord has you stationed, at home, in a specific job or career in school, you are there fulfilling His purposes, and He will see to it that you do. I remember talking with our uh, uh, former elder, Jim Houston, who's gone to be with the Lord, and uh, Jim used to f- fly fighter jets off of carriers. And, uh, I asked him, you know, how, how could you do that? You know, the, the, taking off and landing on carriers and such dangerous work. And, and, and Jim said, you know, I know that God is fulfilling his purposes in me. And, uh, if it's, if, if his purposes are fulfilled in me and I die, his purposes are fulfilled. If not, I won't die. Either way, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Listen, the world may ask you, you know, who are you? Who are you? What, what good have you done? What have you done of any importance, any significance? But, Christian, your father will instead say to you what I am sure he said to Jim Houston and Dick Kaufman. Well done, good and faithful servant. I have accomplished my purposes in and through you. Friends, can you imagine the king of the universe saying that to you? There is no higher commendation or higher human significance than that. God is fulfilling his purposes in you. That's dignity. That's importance. So that's God the Father. Let's let's ask the second question. What what does Paul here in this sermon tell you about Jesus? Well, he tells you that Jesus lived a guiltless life, verse 28, that he died a cursed death, verse 29. Right? Anyone hung on a tree which was the way of the the Jews would talk about crucifixion, that was understood to be uh, a, a death that put you under the curse of God, under God's law. He was buried, verse 29. God raised him from the dead, resurrected him, verse 30. God did not resuscitate him. He resurrected him. Jesus, uh, three days after he was crucified and executed, uh, rose from the grave with a physical body. He had a physical body that you could hug, uh, you, uh, that could eat fish, that still bore the crucifixion' scars, but that also could mysteriously appear in a locked room. He was resurrected to a new order of reality. And finally, the resurrected Jesus was witnessed by many people over many days. Verse 31. So did you hear hear the outline? He lived a guiltless life. He died a cursed death. He was buried. God raised Him from the dead. And He was witnessed as alive by many people over many days. Days. What that is a summary of, friends, is the pure gospel. That is the essential message of Christianity. The good news. And because this is all true of Jesus, Jesus shows Himself to be who He claimed to be. Right? The Messiah. The perfect atoning sacrifice for your sins. He is, as John the Baptist said... Uh, the Lamb of God who takes away your sin forever by His death and resurrection. And if you believe in Him, you will receive forgiveness of your sins and be freed from what God's law by itself could never free you from. And in a word, that is bondage to sin and death. That's the human condition. We don't like to hear it, we push against it, but that's the human condition. We, we are enslaved, really, to sin and to, and to the death that sin brings. Uh, why? Because no human being perfectly keeps God's law, because no human being on the planet is even able, capable of keeping God's law. That means the whole human race is caught up in a death spiral towards a final reckoning. A judgment. And the the good news though is that Jesus pulls you out of the death spiral. And only He can. Because Jesus was simultaneously a human being, and fully God, uh, he was able to obey God's law perfectly for you, right? for your account. God, Jesus obeyed the law, and then he allowed himself to be executed as a sacrificial offering uh, to pay the penalty of God's law for your failures, for your guilt, for your shame. The last thing you learn about Jesus here in this sermon is that if you neglect this great rescue that Jesus accomplished, you will not escape his judgment uh, that, we are, uh, that, that you are already spiraling uh, toward. And listen, nobody knows better than I that that sounds... Po- I, I realize that sounds politically incorrect, it sounds marginally crazy... It sounds implausible. Um, I get that. Believe me, I get it. As a preacher, I get it. Um, but it sounded implausible and crazy in ancient Israel too. In many ways, it probably always has. But it, it's 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 interesting how Paul warns us about this coming judgment because he doesn't use his own words he quotes a prophet that prophet with a funny name habakkuk when he says look you scoffers be astounded and perish for i am doing a work in your days a work that you will not believe even if one tells it to you when that when habakkuk spoke that you know what that work he was talking about was this astounding work that, that you wouldn't believe. That work was a work of judgment. The prophets, like Habakkuk, were saying, Israel, you've got to turn from your sin. You've got to turn back to the Lord. And if you don't, God is going to judge this nation. And the way He's going to judge it is He's going to bring our enemy against us, the Babylonian Empire. He's going to send the Babylonian Empire. This is the work that uh, you won't believe if even if if anyone tells it to you, God send in the Babylonian Empire to invade Israel, to conquer it, and to take the people into exile for seventy years. That sounded nuts to them. It sounded impossible. Sounded crazy. God would never do that, they say. But it happened. God's judgment uh, is certain. But you know what else? There's something else certain. The Gospel. Judgment does not have to have the last word. The Gospel frees you from the judgment. And it frees you from the fear of judgment. Jesus was cursed under God's judgment so you will never have to be. He was cursed under God's judgment for you. So long as you believe in Him. That's the good news. Okay, finally, last question. What does what, what Paul, so after he did, did the sermon, what does Paul say about how we as Christians live as followers of Jesus? Up to now, you know, Paul's sermon has been relatively evangelistic, that is, he is speaking to his fellow Jews who um, who do not believe in Jesus, and he was explaining to them why they should, and now he turns to, to, to people who now believe in Jesus. As a result of this sermon, some of those people believed, and they followed Barnabas and Paul out of the synagogue, and, and so, you know, what do we do now? I'm believing in Jesus. What do I do now? And and Paul's answer is right there in the last six words I read in verse 43. What do you do? Continue in the grace of God. Continue in the grace of God. Notice he didn't say continue in the law of God is continuing the grace of God. See, the Christian faith is not, you know, sort of getting the, your get-out-of-jail-free card by grace, but then once, once you've got it, you might lose it unless you obey. Right? It's not getting in by God's grace, but staying in by your obedience. It's not God giving you mercy to get in, but then demanding that you toe the line or you're out. No, you get in by grace and you stay in by grace. The message of Paul the Apostle was continue in his grace. What does that mean? Well, you know, Jesus actually talked about this, uh, when he, uh, was debating with the Pharisees and, and he used an illustration uh, in John chapter 8, about sons and slaves. Let me, let me sort of make that illustration a little bit more contemporary. Um, you know, back in my lawyering days, I, I represented a number of family-owned businesses over the years. Family-owned businesses. And I learned from my representation of those family-owned businesses that that a frequent problem would arise in these family-owned businesses, and that is that non-family member employees would sometimes resent what they perceive to be a double standard inside the company, right? Because if a non-family member employee screwed up, what would happen? Fired, right? Uh, But if a family member employee screwed up, they wouldn't be fired. Right? Uh, they would more often than not receive forgiveness, receive grace, receive correction. Right? And it, you know, I, I get the, 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 the tension. Uh, but we all also get it. Right? The, the Jesus point was that the family relationship overrides the employer-employee relationship. Slaves don't stay in the house. Sons do. That was Jesus' point. Um, So, when you believe in Jesus, the Son, uh, you, you, by virtue of that belief, by your faith in Jesus, you also become a son or daughter uh, of the Lord. You're not a slave. You're not an employee. uh, You are a member of the family by grace and just like right when a slave messes up you get rid of the slave when the son messes up you don't get rid of the son right and your sons your daughters Uh, and it's that assurance be- that assurance that comes from your status uh, as a son or daughter of the king that was earned for you by Jesus given to you by Jesus freely that is what m- powers your living your day-to-day living for Jesus right Jesus said if you love me you will what obey my commandments right now that's that's not Uh, That's not how you get in, right? Jesus obeyed the commandments for you to get in. We now obey God's law, not not out of some slavish, scary duty that if I don't, I'm out. But rather, you now choose to obey God's law out of love for Jesus. Jesus. You love Him. uh, you're, you're, You're thankful to Him. It's love and gratitude and worship to Jesus for the grace He gave you, for the sonship He gave you. Brothers and sisters, continue in His grace. Right? It's not now that you're a Christian you beat yourself up with the law. Just keep going back to the cross. Go back to the empty tomb. Go back to what Jesus has done for you and let that then fuel you to obey God's law. Knowing that if, if when, not if, when you mess up, you'll, you'll know his forgiveness. You'll know his love. Why? Because he's a good father and he doesn't toss his children out of the house. I'll close with this. William Cooper. William Cooper, English poet, hymn writer, uh, and a dear friend of John Newton, the slave trader turned uh, pastor. Uh, William Cooper wrote a hymn, and I'm going to quote a stanza from from his hymn. He put it this way, and I'll close. this, This is how I'll close. To see the law by Christ fulfilled... And hear His pardoning voice changes a slave into a child and duty into choice. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank You. Thank You for Your grace. Thank You for what Jesus accomplished that frees us from the fear of death and judgment Thank you, Lord, for going ahead of us and and bearing that on your own shoulders so that we will not have to bear it. And may that reality now fuel us to live in ways where we love our neighbors, where we sacrifice for others, where we forgive our enemies, where we feed the poor and the hungry, where we care for widows and orphans and aliens. Lord, we do that not out of some fear that if we don't, you'll you'll toss us out, you'll, you'll reject us. We do it because of how deeply you have loved us and how firmly you have made our status as sons and daughters of the King. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Ted Hamilton, Senior Pastor of New Life Presbyterian Church, Escondido. Please visit us in Escondido, California, or online at newlifepca.com. New Life Presbyterian Church, Escondido reserves all copyrights as applicable by law. Thank you for listening.